Okay, welcome guys. I'm sorry about the confusion this morning, um, but going forward for the next sessions, we are going to be having it in one of the tra this, uh, sessions in one of the training rooms, uh, so it will be a little more intimate and less, less disorganized, hopefully. So if you could all just complete that uh, self-audit tool so that we can have an idea as to what, what we need to focus on. The idea here is for us to learn from each other, um, especially in these turbulent times that we are living. There's uh, a number of people are concerned, are worried. I mean, I, I don't, can't think of a single person who is not affected by what's happening in our country, in the world, actually. And I'm here to tell you that there is hope. There is hope, even though it seems like we are in a hopeless situation. Um, and, and hopefully over the next three, three to four weeks, we're having these sessions for the next, uh, for three more weeks. And it's supposed to be an hour each. Um, so this is a safe environment. I don't want you to discuss your personal finances here. Although it is a safe environment, I don't... Uh, you are welcome to talk to me at a later stage, privately, but this is a general discussion just for us to understand what our rights are. There's a lot of things that we are fortunate in our country that we have consumer rights. We've got the National Credit Act, we've got the Credit, uh, Consumer Protection Act, and this is the reason I sent out those self-audit tools, just to get an idea about where we sh uh, which areas we, sh we need to focus on. So if there's any questions, please speak. Feel free to speak at any time. Uh, ask questions, interrupt. Um, I'm giving you my view. So I'll, I'll, give you, I'll start off with a little bit of a background. Uh, my name, for those who don't know me, I am Romy. I am actually a registered debt counselor, but I believe that my calling is... Um, uh, money management is financial literacy training. It's to break financial bondage. I believe that that is uh, what I've been called for. I've been doing this for 15 years. Prior to that, I worked in a bank for 30 years. And after 30 years, I spent the last 10 years in the credit department. And for those of you who know the history of... Uh, in, in our country, there was this... Uh, Prior to the National Credit Act, which was passed in 2006, um, we had the Usury Act. Credit wasn't um, uh, regulated. So every, every financial institution was pretty much doing whatever they felt like doing. And then in 2006, the National Credit Act was, was passed, and that regulated credit, and it also gave protection to consumers and to credit providers. That was the aim of, uh, uh, of um, the national, the main aim of the National Credit Act. So, uh, I, I think one of the questions here is, uh, if you understand the National Credit Act and the, and the Consumer Protection Act, because in terms of the National Credit Act, uh, one of the debt relief mechanisms that has been put into place with the National Credit Act is... Um, is debt counseling. Now, I'm not here to promote my business. I am a debt counselor, but that's not my task at the, for, during these sessions. During these sessions, it's my ministry, which is lit financial literacy training. And as you can see, 
I think uh, this course is called stewarding your, your finances, but I actually call it managing your money with finesse. My business is called Finesse, and I'm hoping that all of us will learn how to manage our money with finesse. Um, so I'm, I'm doing this training on behalf of Glenridge, and Glenridge is, is a, we, are, we are a group of ordinary people who are loving God, loving people, and living to change the world. Jesus came into this world to restore our relationships with the Father. And we know that the devil has been trying to distract us. Okay, and the, the other thing that we need to know and understand is that every single one of us has a purpose. I believe this is my purpose, is to try and, and help break financial bondage and educate people on how to manage their finances better because we need to plan for our future, we need to plan for our children. And Stan... Oh, is this not working? Okay. Stan said something very interesting earlier on in the preach. He was talking about bond. To have a bond is bondage. And he spoke about faith for, God, for what God has in store for us. He also spoke to us about trusting God. And we are all believers. We know that God has a plan for us. God has a purpose for every single one of us. And we are going to exploit that. And we are going to live in the fullness of God's mercy and grace and love and provisions. He is our provider. Uh, we are his stewards. Everything that we have has been given to us by God. And as long as we understand that, and we act in fear, we, we trust our Father, we will not live in fear, we will live in faith. And that is what uh, the aim of this, our time together is for us to learn to live in faith. We just trust God, our Father. He has given us everything we need. Uh, he has equipped us, we just need to follow, follow Him and uh, not allow ourselves to be distracted. Just like, in, I think it was John where... Uh, uh, where Jesus asked, uh, was it Peter to walk on water? And, and as long as Peter was walking on the water and keeping his eyes on Jesus, he didn't falter. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. And we tend to do that. We tend to take our eyes off and start focusing on our problems. And that is the worst place to be. But it is overwhelming. We are all human. We all have our weaknesses. And, and fear is one of the things that the devil uses with us. But, but we need to understand that God has given us gifts. And uh, we have these spiritual gifts. God has made every single one of us uniquely. He's empowered us. He's given us abilities. Um, he's given us a heart to love, to be passionate about the things that we do. He's given us natural uh, talents and abilities. He's given us a different uh, our different personalities because we are to be used in different ways. We have special gifts, each one of us. I don't have the gift that you have. I don't have the gift that you have, Louise. You have such a wonderful gift. And every single one of you here has your own specific and special gifts. So you need to just try and identify what your gift is and, and use it. Use it. And the more you use your gifts, the better it will start getting uh, uh, for you. And uh, it, it becomes stronger. It becomes easier for you to exercise in your gifts. God has given us experiences. As I explained, 
uh, in my little introduction, I've been in the credit industry now, it's what's it, like 45 years uh, dealing with finances. For the first 30 years, it was, I was in the bank. I actually was on the other side of the fence when I worked in the bank. I was working on behalf of the bank, trying to make, uh, recover money for the bank, minimize their losses. And after the National Credit Act had been passed, I realized uh, that the whole credit landscape had changed. And I, I couldn't carry on doing what I was doing because prior to that, I was a credit manager where we actually approved credit. But after the, the National Credit Act was passed, the, uh, as I said, credit was regulated to such an extent that most people didn't qualify for credit. Uh, prior to the National Credit Act having been passed, all the credit providers went out there and they, uh, they tried to capture market share. And for those of you who are a little older here, I'm sure you know what happened during that period. Uh, when, when the banks were operating on their own, what they were doing is each bank, even though they operated on their own, there wasn't uh, standardized processes in how the bank manager uh, assessed your credit. If you knew the bank manager, you, had, uh, you, you received credit. Um, but later on, with the changes in our government, we found that there was a lot of discrimination. There was inequalities, uh, and that was the reason why the National Credit Act came into being. And um, so whilst the National Credit Act has a lot of positive, there's also a lot of challenges that have come with it because now with the National Credit Act, credit providers had to make credit available to everybody. There was no discrimination. Um, if they didn't, and, and we know in our country and, and everywhere, the challenge we have is that you, you, everybody has to be treated in the same way, but everybody doesn't have the same abilities and the same resources. So it's become a challenge. And we found that credit became, started being abused. Uh, companies, the loan sharks or, or the money lenders, micro lenders, were starting to give out credit to especially the, 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 the poorer, um, uh, poorer, lower uh, class. And this was at a very, very high interest rate. So uh, the lower class was already was starting to uh, having to pay much higher interest rates and uh, it actually got the, the country into much more trouble. We all know the Marikana tragedy that took place also, uh, I think it was over at about, about two dec uh, more, over a decade ago. And there what had happened is these poor mine workers, um, uh, they were borrowing money from loan sharks and the loan sharks were actually taking their cards, their, uh, their bank card and the PIN and their IDs. And when their salary hit their accounts, um, these loan sharks were taking their money, uh, you know, whatever had been uh, borrowed. And these poor mine workers, they didn't realize that that is why they were struggling financially and they started writing against the, their employers. And we all know that that was a real tragedy where miners were, were killed, the, the police were shot them and things like that. And there's a lot of atrocities that have taken place in our country. We all know it and everything continues. There's lots of confusion and chaos. So we need to understand the background, uh, you know, and I think all of us here understand the background and the, the reason why we are in such, such uh, dire straits right now. So...
Okay, so God shapes our ministries. And as I said, we, we're going to be speaking about money management. And it's not this evening. <laughs> it is this morning, guys. So I have the awesome privilege of sharing what I believe to be my purpose or the reasons for my existence. The resources that I am going to use are the Bible, materials from a purpose-driven life by Rick Warren, course material and, and a PowerPoint presentation and DVDs that were compiled by Heartlines. Uh, this Heartlines team and the Banksita Financial Savvy Consumer Education. Now, as you can see, this is all materials that are available out there. So any one of us could go online and we could obtain this information, but how many people actually go out there and sift out this information? Um, and I believe this is one of the things that, uh, one of my purposes is to actually make these, this information available to people so that we can actually use it. As I said, we have these laws in our country. We have all these acts that have been passed to protect us, but we don't know what they are. We don't know how, to be pro how we are protected. We don't know who to turn to when we are having a problem. So before I commence, I want to just remind you that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift that we have. We are his stewards. The aim of this presentation is to enable us all to be excellent stewards of God's resources and to break financial bondage because the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the, to the lender. That's Proverbs 22.7. And we know the Bible speaks a lot about money. I'm sure all of you have come across a number of verses about money, about wealth, about richness. And it's not wrong for us to, to live um, in freedom, in financial freedom. That's what God wants for us. Um, we often say money is evil. But is money really evil? It's not. It's the love. Yes, it's how you use it. It's the love of money that is evil. And that is the main cause of the problems that we have. That's the root cause that we have. Um, I was going to read Nehemiah, but um, I think we're run, running out of time, but, uh, but we'll go through that at, at a later stage. Maybe I'll just make, a, make some handouts for, uh, with some of the verses, if that is what you want. But I'm also going to make a lot of these resources available on my website. I'm hoping that Glenridge will also have some of the resources available on their website, but uh, I'll give you information. If you want the resources that I'm using, you want to look at it uh, uh, in further detail. Um, I've also did get permission from Banksita and from Heartlines. So guys, everything that we are doing is I'm allowed to share. Uh, it, I'm not presenting material that, that I've uh, been allowed to use as my own material. Some of it is my own, but not everything. So I'm not so, so very clever, but I'm blessed in that th there is all this information out there. There's consumer education that's supposed to be taking place. And I have spoken to, to Banksita to try and get involved in consumer education. Now, Banksita looks after the banking industry um, and uh, ma mainly the banking industry. And because I've got extensive banking background, I mean, I worked for the bank for 30 years, and now I'm a debt counselor for 15 years. I've been very involved with Banksita. And through, the, aside from Banksita, through the church, um, I can't even remember, but this was like about 12 or 13 years ago that I got involved with nothing for, with the Heartline Foundations, and they were talking, uh, they came out with a movie called Nothing for Mahala. 
And uh, I don't see the movie out there any longer, but I'm going to try and get my hands on that. Um, it, it was a very basic movie, but it was about how people actually go about trying to make money, how they try and swindle and, uh, you know, try and make money out of, especially those who are the, the least suspecting people, unsuspecting people. Um, and Heartlands also, they talk about God, my values, and money. Um, that's, that's how they start off with yeah, God, my values, and money. And we all know values is, in our country, the values have really changed. Everybody's values, ethics, morals uh, have deteriorated. And it's time for us now to restore good values, good money principles. Uh, we need to have this mindset, a change, a, a massive change in our mindset. Um, as I said, this is also part of social responsibility and consumer education. And, we, and I'm hoping that every single one of us will be able to go out and impact other people and get them to, to understand the values, how important it is to have the right values installed, especially in our children. And the sad thing is that schools don't teach. They are no longer teaching values. They don't teach anybody about money. I mean... For those of you who have come out of varsity, who are in tertiary education, how many of you actually learned about how to manage your money in school or in, in college? Any one of you learned? You have to just find this out on your own. It's trial and error. You find out on your own. Um, for, for some of us, our parents modeled it, and we, we learned from our parents. Now, the, the reality is that for the mass, masses and the majority of people, they, because, as I said, because of discrimination and credit not being available, there's a majority of our people who haven't had this modeled. So they need to learn how to, how to actually manage their money, how to, even the banking uh, uh, industry, how to deal with the banks, how to deal with accounts. You all now, when, when you are working, you have to open a bank account. Um, in the past, your parents or your grandparents, they didn't have to open bank accounts. They got paid on a weekly basis. They got a money a, a wage packet and they got cash. But now there's no more cash. You see, there's no cash. We, when I was young, when I started working in the bank, which was in 1980, we didn't have cards. We couldn't access our, our uh, accounts or money with cards. It was only cash or checks. We wrote our checks, but now checks have become obsolete. Do, does any one of you remember using a check, issuing checks? Okay. For who, who is, uh, which of you find checks as a foreign concept? Who's never used? Yeah, the younger generation is not going to know about checks. So checks was, you wrote out a check, you put money into the bank, and you wrote out a check, you gave the check to, some, uh, to the next person, you used your check to pay. And it was, it was a safe way of paying. Now we're using cards for safety and convenience. I don't know about safety, but convenience. Yeah, convenience, everybody is using cards. So, so guys, we need to actually re-examine ourselves, re-examine those people that we are interacting with, and, and try and steer them in the right direction, with, especially with God's values and with money. We need to train them. The key themes that we are going to be working on over the next few uh, weeks, we're going to be discussing honesty and earning, 
responsibility in spending. Okay, so, so the values, as I said, is honesty in earning, responsibility in spending, wisdom in borrowing, self-control in saving, and generosity in giving. Okay, so these are the topics that we are going to be covering, uh, covering in the next uh, few sessions. I hope that you, you will still come back and we can discuss these. Um, so we all know that South Africa is drowning in money problems and the greed and the corruption. I mean, I don't need to tell any, any one of you about the greed and the corruption in our country. And it's materialism, corruption, there's poverty, there's... And, and debt, debt is a huge problem. Okay, so time for money. It's, it, uh, it's time now for us to change our concept of money, money changes. So for South Africans to choose a different way of living, for people to review the values that drive their money behavior, and for our nation to move forward with financial health. You, you know, it always amazes me that we can talk about health uh, when we are... F- feeling fluish, we have a headache, we are sick, we'll go to the doctor. And we find explaining to the doctor what's wrong with us and listening to the, having the doctor diagnose us and uh, taking, uh, taking the medication that has been prescribed to us. But our financial well-being is also, it's our financial health and it's, we, we need to change, as I said, change our mindset on money. Because money and the management of money and financial health is just as important as, as our physical health and well-being. And we need to stop trying to live up to the Joneses, trying to impress people. Uh, society has, has caused us now to be, the way things have been going, um, we, we become very distracted. We've, uh, we've steered away from the truth and we need to just get back to, to God's principles. So we, we need to also stop being embarrassed and trying to impress other people with, with our finances, live up to others. Um, and, and it broke my heart. I mean, we as parents, we want to please our children. And when you go out there and you look at what's happening in the schools... There's so much competition, there's so much, uh, I mean, the, the values again. And that is us as parents, we are actually instilling these values in our children. We're going along with the masses. And I know it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a huge challenge to actually break this mindset um, and to reinstitute simple values, simple, good, simple values back into our schools. And I believe that's where we need to start off. We need to start off with our children. For me, it's my grandchildren now. Uh, Try and teach them, uh, you know, get them to think about money in a different way. That mindsets have to be changed. Financial wellness is something that we need to start looking at seriously. And the the good thing is that I, I can consider myself as as a doctor in terms of financial wellness because there is a disease out there that is destroying people's lives. Money and money issues, money problems are destroying relationships. And I like to believe that God has placed me here uh, to try and help these people rebuild their relationships and uh, or, or actually stop uh, allowing money to have such a, a strong a pull on people's lives and, and cause such havoc in people's lives. So the, the important thing is for us to start becoming honest with ourselves and then also teaching our children. Um, 
it, it most probably will take generations for us to change this whole money mindset, but it starts with you and me. Okay, so as I said, the Bible has a lot to say about money, not just about tithing. But what are we saying about money? What are we telling uh, our children? What are we teaching our children? And we need to examine ourselves and see what, we, what are we doing here. So Matthew 25, 14 to 21, it talks about the, uh, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. I think we all know that story about the three talents and the two talent and the one talent and, and how the, the one with the one talent said that he knows that his boss, uh, his master is, is very cruel and he buried his talents. And, and that's what we, we tend to do. Um, the few of us who have good values about money, uh, we are very scared to talk about it. We are very shy. We, we, we shy away from talking about money or saying the truth because it's easier to go with the flow than to go against the flow. And we need to remember the story and we need to also start, uh, start doing what we, we should be doing as, as godly men and women. So my values and, my, and money, what do we do with our money says a lot about what's going on in our hearts. Money can be a very valuable servant, but we often make money our master. Okay? And that's the danger, that's what we are living with. Money can positively impact our lives, our communities, and our nations. The reality is that, you know, they say money makes the world go round. There is nothing we can do without money. That is a sad reality. And we need to bear that in mind, but we ha also have to remember that God is our provider. And the money that we have, we can have it here today and it's gone tomorrow. Okay, so honesty in earning. Honesty in earning, how many people are earning money dishonestly? Hey? But, and, and we see that when people earn money dishonestly, it's, it's never enough. When is enough enough? I mean, the more they get, the more they spend. Because they're earning well doesn't mean that they can pay their, their loans. So, as I was saying, honesty in earning. We need to be honest about our earning. Um, also, as Christians, we, we need to be an example in our workplace. Uh, you know, don't go along with whatever everybody else is doing. We have to stand out. We have to be the light. So, what does honesty in earning mean to you? What is an honest worker or an employee? We can justify, we can easily justify all the wrongs that we do. Um, why? Because everybody else is doing it. Why shouldn't I do it? Why should I be the only one not doing it this way? And you know how tough, tough things are. If this is an easy way for me to do it, then why not? Look at all the bribes. Look at all the corruptions. Um, I mean, even with the traffic police. So all this bribery and corruption, what, what, what is the main cause of bribery and corruption? In my opinion, there could be two reasons. It's either a need or a greed. Needs, we can help with. We, we know how to, how to try and deal with needs. But greeds... Uh, None of us can help with greed. That that's, depends on that individual. But where there is a need, I'm sure all of us can, can look at things together and we can try and find a solution. But where there's greed, I, I don't know, I haven't found that solution as yet. Also, as employers, for those of you who are employers, we, we need to also be fair to our employees. You know, pay them a living wage. 
And, and because we don't pay a living wage, that is the reason why they are, there's proliferating taking place. They, they are pinching. So we need to uh, look at ourselves and look at how we are contributing to this also and make sure that we are all above board. Okay, so the value of honesty in earning. Almost 50% of South Africans have paid a bribe in the last 12 months. Okay. More, actually more than 50% have paid bribes in, in the last 12 months. And why do we do it? Why do we do it? Because it's the easier way. You get a fine, you get a fine for 500 rand and, and the officer tells you, give me something under the table, you give him 100 rand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that is what's happening in our country. That's what's happening all the time. Unemployment is at 30% of working population. Hey, I, I actually don't believe these stats, though. I, it's actually worse. Yeah, it is actually worse. These, uh, these are stats that were compiled by the Heartland uh, Foundation, but, but this is a, a few years old, and the situation has deteriorated. And I think in the last, since COVID, it's actually deteriorated, uh, deteriorated much, much more. South Africa has lost about 700 billion to corruption in the last 20 years. I think that is also a very low amount. And the corruption, we see it in our government. We see the corruption. I mean, the people right up are, are the ones that are the most corrupt. So how are they leading, our leaders? And now, guys, we, we are in a desperate situation, and only God can make a difference. Yeah. So honesty in earning, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men. It is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. We don't serve ourselves. We don't serve the government. We're serving God. Proverbs 26.11, the message says, God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. And guys, I'm sure many of you have seen it. You, you know, where you make money, easy come, easy go. If you're making money in an easy way, it goes. There's no blessings. It, God's God's blessings will follow if we are being honest, up, upstanding uh, people, and, uh, and God will bless us. It will be difficult. I mean, the Bible never said that our lives are going to be easy. We're not here with a bed of, you know, expecting a bed of roses. We expect our challenges. Um, we are realistic. We have our challenges, but we know who's fighting our battle with us. As long as we remember that we have somebody, the most powerful fighting our battle with us. We can stand up upright. We'll fall, but we will get up. The value of spending responsibly. Uh, guys, I'm talking to you about this hotline thing, but there's so much more we can talk about, the actual practicals as to how to go about doing this. Okay, earning, I don't think there's very much, but like uh, with spending responsibly. Um, the Heartlines Foundation, they've got this... Um, more South African homes have TVs than fridges. We know this. We know this. Cell phones. What about cell phones? Everybody's got cell phones. They don't have a place to sleep. They have a cell phone. People have cell phones. And we can see how businesses are exploiting the fact that everybody has cell phones, even banks. I mean, with these e-wallets and all of these things, I mean, cell phones have taken over the world now. So almost half of South African adult population, that is 45%, could not cover living costs in 2012. Now, this is very, very old information, guys. Uh, there are more active SIM cards than there are people in this country. 
In South Africa, the biggest problem is that we do not spend our money responsibly. I mean, people have cell phones, they're paying so much for those cell phones, uh, the uh, brand name or the self, yes, technology, they're wearing brand name clothes, but they have no, nowhere to lay their head. Exactly, they'll drive around in a fancy car, but who owns that car? The bank. All these, I mean, an, a number of these people with all these huge mansions out there in Durban North and Amschlange and things like that, do they actually own those? Hey? Are they rich? Are they really rich? They portray themselves to be rich. Are they really rich? They are owned by the bank. How many people are shooting themselves? They're killing themselves because of financial problems. And yet, as I said, guys, there is hope. If a person is, uh, you know, I, I want to share a, a quick testimony again. As I said, I was divorced when, when my kids were very young. So finance, and there was no NCA at that time. There was um, no debt counseling at that time. And uh, when I was married, Mahabi and I, we, we, we lived literally from hand to mouth. Uh, but we were okay. We were okay. We managed. Both of us worked and uh, whatever. But we had no money to save. Whatever we earned, and it happens to most of us, whatever we earned, uh, we, uh, we lived on. And then when I got, got divorced, I was alone with three kids. And divorces are messy. Uh, I'm not going to go into any of that. <laughs> bygones be bygones, you know. And God has been there, and here I'm standing so successful, and, and I'm content. Uh, you know, God has provided my every need. But what I was saying is, I had taken over all the debts. So I was really struggling financially. Here, when I had two salaries, we were just making ends meet. Now, with one salary and having to cope with, with all, all my debts and things, it was, it was very, very difficult. There was no debt counseling. Now, for those people, if, if that had happened to me now, I could have gone under debt review. I, I could have my, my debts, uh, my installments could have been reduced and my life could have been so much easier. But God got me through that time. But what I'm saying is that we are so fortunate now that we've got, we've got these lifelines that are available to us. But if we don't know what is available, we don't know our rights, we don't know um, where to turn to for help, then you can't use it. It's, it's like being given a, a gun with no bullets. It's useless to you. So we've got all these acts. We need to know how to, how to actually how apply these acts to, uh, to ourselves. Um, I think I'm going to stop now. It is 12 o'clock, but we will, if there's any questions so far, we'll see you. It's, debt counseling is not the problem. It's the debt counselor that's the problem there. Yeah. People, yes, you're right, Busy. But since we are stewards, God owns it, so we should be. We should be dealing with it in a spiritual way also. Uh, and I think that is just up to us how we're going to do it. As I was saying earlier, I was giving you my testimony and, and I got, got derailed there also, or sidetracked. Um, the, the one thing I wanted to also mention is that I, after I had got divorced, I attended every financial course that, that the church had. Uh, to learn how to manage your finance. But the thing is, what I found, maybe it was just me personally, is that all these courses taught you how to manage your money if you had money. If you didn't have money, they didn't tell you what to do, how to deal with it when you don't have the money. Yeah, but, but I am here to tell you that there is a way 
to deal with it. To start, yes, you're going to start from rock bottom, but there's a way to overcome that problem. And Busi, you're right, there are a lot of rogue debt counselors out there. This industry is rotten to the core. The whole credit industry is rotten to the core. It's a reality that we, we, we are stuck in. And we, we, this is why I'm actually having these courses also, is to educate people, to let, open their eyes that everything that's out there, don't just take everything at, at face value. You need to actually investigate. And, you know, especially with debt counseling, I mean, you see companies that are advertising debt counseling nationally on TV. You go and check Hello Peter. Those are the very companies that you're going to find a whole lot of complaints about. So it's important who you deal with is more important than what you are actually doing, I think. Um, the same in the, in the in, uh, insurance industry. It's the same thing that's happening. You've got a whole lot of people there. As I said, corruption. People are there just to make a, a quick buck. And, yeah, taking people for a ride. That is a reality, but we need to be sharp. Uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of stupidity or timidity. He's given us a sound mind, power, love, and a sound mind. And we need to start operating in, with the sound mind of ours. Don't just be gullible. But also, the sad thing is, when people are struggling financially, they're desperate. They don't actually look, you know, they can be conned so easily. And lots of these people, they just fall for the cons because they're desperate. Desperation. <laughs> okay. So, what, what's your name? Tembakasi. Okay, Tembakasi, there is, um, uh, that was a very good one. And now I mentioned the National Credit Act. Now this is going a little more deeper than what I was one, uh, planning on going into. So the National Credit Act was, was passed, what, 15 years ago, I think 15, 16 years ago. And then there was an amendment to the Act, the National Credit Act amendments, which was done in 2015, where there was a whole lot of things. Remember our government now also. Our government is involved in these acts. There was the credit amnesty. And it's anybody's guess. Uh, did you hear about the credit amnesty around the 2015, where all the credit bureaus were cleared? Um, and that was the, the state president said, clear the credit bureau records. So this impacts on the economy. It impacts on banks also, because everybody who did the banks down, uh, their names were on the credit bureau. If they went and applied for a loan with another bank, that bank could go on to the credit bureau, obtain their records, and they could see that, no, I don't want to give this person a loan because they've already owed one bank and they've, uh, that bank lost money. Once the credit bureau records were, were cleared, there was no way for, the, for bank A to know that bank B lost money from these people, but this was the government, again, trying to get credit available to people. So that was in 2015, and then there was another amendment that took place. Now, in this time, there's been a whole lot of corruption. There's been a whole lot of nonsense uh, happening. You might have heard of reckless lending also. So there's reckless lending, there's debt counseling. Whenever you talk about uh, debt counseling, you also look at reckless lending. Um, so the third time the act was amended was in 2019. It's been signed off, but it's not in place as yet. The regulations haven't been uh, uh, sent out yet. So remember, when an act comes into being, it's first written, it goes out for uh, comment, public comment, and then it's put onto the government gazette, 
and then it becomes, uh, it, it gets signed off by, I don't, I don't know all the steps, but it's a long process that takes place in Parliament. And then it gets signed off and it's, um, it becomes an act after the regulation. So there's the act, the act tells you what to do, the regulations tell you how to do it. So the, third, uh, the second time the act was amended, was in 2019, the act is in place, but there's no regulation. So the act is telling you what to do. The regulations tell you how to do it. Nobody knows how to do it. And that is what I think you are talking about. And there's companies that have got hold of this. It's also referred to as a debt intervention. It's a very controversial topic, the debt intervention. I personally believe that the government is going to pull that out as a trump card. I could get myself into trouble, but this is politics. Um, but I'm very skeptical about the reason why this debt intervention has come into play or is coming into play and it might just come up before elections because there's more than 7 million of the low income earners who could actually get away. I don't know how the banks are going to allow it because this could cause a real upheaval in the banks but that's just my opinion guys. Uh, but that is what you are talking about but we can discuss that later on in, in another session. Uh, whoever is advertising that they are helping in that way, they are lying because that, even though the act has been passed, there's no regulations. Nobody knows how to do it. And apparently the government, the national credit regulator, is supposed to be actually administering this whole intervention thing, the debt intervention. So that's another big question mark. How is the government going to do this, deal with 7 million people when currently they're not coping with what's happening in the, in the credit industry? There's debt counselors who are actually, or there's companies, I don't think they are debt counselors who actually advertise with Ramaphosa's face. Yeah, I see it all the time. On my Google newsfeed, it's there all the time. Those are lies. Those are adverts only. It's not, the government is not making those. Uh, no, they're not advertising. Just be careful when you look, you, you'll see if it's an advert. It's paid, it comes up as paid advert also. It's misleading and lots of people are misled by these. I mean, you see Ramaphosa's face, they're telling you that you can get away, you don't need to pay your debt. And the masses are going to believe that. NCA News, okay, I don't know about the NCA News, but the National Credit Regulator has got a website. Go onto that, ncr.org.za, ncr.org.za, you'll find all the information there. The correct information is on there. So Google and go onto ncr.org. I'll give you more, more, more information next week about who to turn to if you need help and things. It doesn't have to necessarily be me, but investigate. Do your investigations and make sure you are working with legitimate people, legitimate companies. There's lots of people struggling, struggling with finances. And there's a number of debt counselors that are registered. Um, you, you know, they say sometimes one rotten egg spoils all the, all the eggs. And this is the case. Same with the police force. You have a whole lot of corrupt police there uh, who are doing nonsense, but you have some of the good ones there. So you just need to be careful about who you are using. Okay, guys, thank you so much for your time. Any questions? You think about anything, we can talk next week. Um, I'm leaving you with, uh, with those questionnaires. Uh, do you want to give it to me or next week? Uh, next week? Okay, if you could go through it, then we can focus on, on the areas that we can figure out where we should focus. Thank you for your time. I really